Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Tuesday, December 5th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today, high 46. Tonight, overnight cloudy, low 36. And then Wednesday, more sun than clouds, the high 44. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 40 clear in Harrison up in Westchester County, 42 and clear in Cape May down in New Jersey. And it is 39, a couple clouds right outside our Midtown studio. So much to get to as we work our way up six o'clock hours. Sid and friends in the morning. I, I was talking about this with Frank just a few moments ago. The fact that this uh, virus, this pneumonia that seems to have broken out in China among kids and the WHO, the World Health Organization, trying to get more di- details from the Chinese. But, of course, they never get all the information they need. And we found that out for sure during the pandemic. Worried about the fact that hospital rooms in China apparently packed with kids who have this pneumonia. And now we've watched um, as it has moved from China. And they think it's the same virus through Ireland and France, uh, several other European countries recording the sharp rise in child pneumonia cases as China, ba- China battles the surge in the respiratory illness there. They still don't know a whole lot about it. But here the, the good news is, is so far they're not seeing any elevated death rate from this, that most of these kids are recovering. Um, but of course, the fear is uh, if it made it from China to Europe, it's just a matter of time until it comes here. And so doctors uh, all over the tri-state yesterday warning people, you know, now's the time to vaccinate yourself. Uh, if you haven't gotten the COVID shot, the flu shot, you might want to do that. There has been a surge of flu cases across New York, New Jersey and Connecticut just in the last couple of weeks. Maybe, you know, people suffering from COVID. I've seen a couple of people I know who now have it after a while of not hearing about COVID for a while. RSV is back as well. The uh, state health department telling us yesterday flu cases surged 27% statewide last week. So they say that's an incentive for New Yorkers to go out and roll up their sleeves and get the flu shot. Now I'd be the first one to tell you I haven't done that, but maybe I will. There's a high rise in um, cases COVID as well as the respiratory virus. So why not protect yourself? I had it to- the flu two years in a row. I lived in the dorms in college, and it was like a Petri dish. So now I get it every year. Yeah, you know, if you're among a lot of people, probably a good idea. Doctor's warning if you're getting the flu shot that it takes two weeks to kick in. So lots of people, of course, think about doing it this time of year because you're going to leave in a couple weeks to go on a Christmas break somewhere among family who you don't want to get sick or don't want you to get them sick. And so that's one thing to remember. If you're getting the flu shot, it takes two weeks. So let's say you're planning on 
on traveling and, you know, being with, you know, people in your family who might be at risk of getting very sick from these things, then you should be getting your vaccines now. All right. I'm going to be the last person to lecture you about getting the flu shot, but that doctor there telling you it might be a good idea. Let's go down to Washington financial records released by House Republicans yesterday show President Biden received monthly payments from his son Hunter's business in 2018. Now, is it enough to impeach the president? Republicans trying to decide. Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer said Hunter's firm, Owasco PC, received payments from Chinese companies and other foreign entities and claimed the payments of nearly $1,400 to Biden show the president participated and benefited from an alleged influence-peddling scheme. But leaked emails from Hunter Biden's infamous laptop suggests the payments were for a truck Joe Biden helped his son purchase. Hunter's lawyer in a statement also confirmed this. I'm Brian Shook. Yeah, Republicans trying to connect the dots have been sort of, uh, well, unable to do so far, so far, but that doesn't mean they won't be able to. Then you had, of course, the pushback from the other side, uh, former Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney all over TV internet over the last couple of days warning against a second Donald Trump presidency. If you have a president who is unwilling to abide by the rulings of the courts, who's unwilling to uphold the Constitution, then there are no guardrails who can stop him. So hers, here's her claim. She says Trump would refuse to leave office after a second presidential term. That's assuming he wins next November. She says he would not leave after four years. If you look at what he did in the run-up to January 6th in terms of his pressure on the vice president not to count legitimate electoral votes and then refusing to send help when the Capitol was under attack. Yeah, she's really no fan of Donald Trump, as you probably know. What happened in 2020 and, and January of 2021 in many ways, uh, they can look at it as a, as a practice run, and they know now uh, what it would take, in fact, to attempt to completely unravel the foundations of our republic. Yeah, so Cheney's been out there. Uh, she has a book that's out there, Atlantic Monthly, writing an article similar to that warning that Donald Trump would try to hold on to office after four years. A vote for Donald Trump may mean the last election that you ever get to vote in. People have to recognize that, that a vote for Donald Trump is a vote against the Constitution. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people who buy that would say that the U.S. would slide into a dictatorship under the former president if he were to win again. The, the Republican National Committee uh, announcing who will be taking part in this fourth GOP debate. Uh, it's tomorrow. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, Nikki Haley, the South Carolina, former South Carolina governor, former U.N. ambassador also taking part. And Vivek Ramaswamy are set to take the stage. This debate taking place in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. A former President Trump, who still holds just an enormous lead over all of these candidates in the race, is going to take part in a Fox News town hall uh, tonight. Uh, the two-hour debate on Wednesday night, that will take place on News Nation. But Donald Trump says, uh, don't plan on seeing him there. He has uh, no desire to take the stage. And so far, he's proven that he hasn't needed to because it hasn't done much for the other candidates in terms of juicing their numbers against him. Of course, we're just, what, six, seven weeks away from the primary season. So uh, all that will start to get nailed down in just a matter of time. But just getting this into the newsroom, this happened, well, it was late last night. A woman dead, two other people injured after a fiery crash involving a Lamborghini. This was up in Inwood, 10th Avenue near 213th Street. Uh, the Lamborghini crashed into the um, one of the bars that holds 
up the train tracks up above the elevated tracks and then crashed into a Hyundai Elantra. So we're telling the driver of this Lamborghini managed to escape without being seriously hurt. He's in police custody. The 20-year-old woman who was riding in the passenger seat, she did not survive. The driver of the Hyundai they crashed into uh, is in stable condition. Uh, we're looking at pictures, debris just littering the area, firefighters extinguishing the blaze. No word on the exact cause of the crash, uh, but officials are investigating whether speed was a potential factor. Of course, there's more information comes in on that Lamborghini crash. We'll pass that on to you. 510, let's go down to the Texas border. The governor of Texas vowing to continue the fight over the so-called floating border wall. Greg Abbott says so after a trio of federal judges ordered the state to remove the system of buoys that are bobbing in the river that separates the U.S. and Mexico. We will be seeking what's called an unbunk ruling by the entire Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. So the Biden administration opposes the buoys. Lawyers for the Justice Department argue they violate a federal law that prohibits any obstruction that affects the navigations of the country's waters. Governor Abbott has vowed to take the case to the Supreme Court. We had a majority Democrats... uh, who were on that panel uh, making that decision. Texas has the right to legally deploy those buoys in the water to prevent people from entering our country and our state illegally. And that taking place as an Arizona border crossing is closed down now until further notice. Customs and Border Protection recently announced the Lukeville Port of Entry southwest of Tucson would be temporarily shut down to both vehicle and pedestrian traffic. A social media post describing the closure last week said those working in Lukeville would be helping the Border Patrol with taking migrants into custody. The decision was met with criticism by multiple leaders in Arizona, including Governor Katie Hobbs and Senators Mark Kelly and Kirsten Cinema. I'm Mark Mayfield. WABC News Time 512. Let's go back down to Texas for a moment. The latest front in the fight over abortion is a push in places like Texas to ban so-called abortion traffickers from driving pregnant women to another state where the procedure is legal. Associate Attorney General Vanita Gupta says they plan to fight this in court. States may not criminalize third-party assistance for such interstate travel. So there are now four counties in Texas that have passed ordinances that make it illegal to travel on their roads seeking an abortion. They would all be enforced through private lawsuits. We remain committed to doing all that we can to defend the constitutional right to travel, among other federal protections for reproductive freedom. The, me- uh, the measures, though, they would not punish the actual pregnant women trying to go for an abortion. 512, the White House blaming Iran for attacks on three commercial ships in the Red Seas. We told you about this yesterday. Three vessels that are connected to 14 different nations, which goes to show you the extent to which this is truly a source of global concern and a threat to international peace and stability. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan there telling reporters the attacks carried out by Houthis rebels from Yemen were enabled by Iran, the USS Kearney, shot down several drones after receiving distress calls from the ships. Uh, Sullivan says Iran is ultimately responsible as it provides weapons to this Houthis group. It detected three UAVs at three different times heading in its direction, and it took action against all three of those UAVs. We have every reason to believe that these attacks, while they were launched by the Houthis in Yemen, were fully enabled by Iran. And Sullivan says the U.S. will continue to take action when necessary to stop these groups. We will continue as we go forward to consult very closely with allies and partners to determine 
and take all appropriate responses. Of course, this all connected just the mess going on in the Middle East. The war between Israel Hamas now in its 60th day. Israel's senior advisor, Mark Regev, says up to nine Americans are still being held by Hamas in Gaza today. We have to fear for them because we've been interviewing the people who've come out and, and they went through a living hell. No child should ever have to go through the way Hamas treated them. The Israeli military says expanding its ground assault to all of Gaza now. Some residents in the region say there's nowhere safe to go as the fighting starts to spread to the southern part of the region. We're dealing with a brutal terrorist group that has no qualms whatsoever about uh, butchering people, burned people alive, uh, terrible, terrible crimes against humanity. That's Regev, uh, the prime minister's uh, spokesman, prime minister, I should say, Netanyahu's spokesman, says Hamas used Palestinian citizens as shields. And he says Israel's doing its best to avoid killing civilians, but they say they're in the middle of a war. Why else do you build your bunkers under hospitals? Why else do you store missiles in, in schools? Why else do you build your underground, underground tunnels under urban uh, uh, neighborhoods? There's all kinds of numbers being thrown about uh, uh, how many people are dead. One of them today, 17,000 have been killed since the fighting began on October 7th. You don't know whose numbers to rely on. In Tel Aviv, uh, reporter Raf Sanchez says Israel forces are now operating this new ground offensive today. That offensive began on Friday just minutes after the ceasefire collapsed with a round of punishing airstrikes. And now Israeli tanks, ground troops are heading into the south. And, of course, lots of response from the White House in terms of protecting civilians in Gaza. We'll get into that and more in an interesting way that Israel wants to go after these Hamas terrorists. We'll get to that as well. But first, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Good morning. Welcome back, Justin Ellis. Hey, thank you, uh, Noam Aladin. Good to be back. Start here on the Great Iron, of course, week 13 in the NFL. Wrapped up last night with the Cincinnati Bengals in Jacksonville to battle the Jaguars on Monday night football. Cincinnati backup quarterback Jake Browning threw for 354 yards and a touchdown in his second start. Much better than the four-sack, two-turnover performance just a week earlier. And the Bengals stunned the Jacksonville Jaguars 34-31 in overtime. Browning also ran for a score as Cincinnati won a road game on Monday night football for the first time since 1990. Evan McPherson's 48-yard field goal in overtime was the difference and ended a three-game Losing streak on the season at a nine-game road skid on Monday night. This one was shocking and potentially costly for the Jaguars, who lost quarterback Trevor Lawrence to a sprained right ankle late in the fourth quarter. Lawrence left the ro- uh, locker room in a walking boot and on crutches. He will have more tests today to determine the severity of the injury. The Bengals improved to 500 at 6-6 six and six overall with the win and still sit in last place in the AFC North, while the Jaguars fall to 8-4, and four, still ahead of Indianapolis atop. Uh, the AFC South, and uh, locally here, the Jets still don't have a starter at quarterback for Sunday's game against the Houston Texans, as Coach Robert Sala declined yesterday to pick a quarterback from Wilson, Tim Boyle, and Trevor Simeon, none of whom has played well uh, in the aftermath of of, uh, Aaron Rodgers' Achilles tendon injury, and the decision might have been muddled when uh, the Athletic reported that the team is leaning toward Wilson, but that he's reluctant to play because of that uh, perceived injury risk. Sala must insisted that that isn't the case yesterday, saying Wilson came to him around uh, yesterday afternoon about 3 p.m. Uh, to uh, express his desire to indeed start. It's not clear. What the hell is going on I don't know. over there? I don't, and and they, know, they have no idea if he saw the article, if it's because of the article. 
they don't know if it's false. Well, so I mean, why did he don't want to play? He didn't want to play because why? I don't because uh, he don't want to get hurt because of the offensive line. I guess he didn't. He wanted oh he wanted to stop getting killed out there. I know. Get out get there and out. play. That, exactly. If so, that you know, if that story and Brad and Salah said it yesterday, if, if that were true, he wouldn't be here. So, so he's saying it's not true. Yeah, exactly. He's saying he came to him yesterday and said, "I want to play. Hmm. Get me out there. Give me." The I don't know. So, I guess that's what you have to say at the podium at this point if you're Salah. And then uh, you know, if that is the case that he doesn't want to be out there, you deal with that in house. But I don't know. Hmm. Shady things going on for the New York. That is true. Football. Very shady, yes, indeed, indeed. On the ice, uh, local teams had the night off last night. Both three of them will lace them up tonight in Ottawa. The Rangers will face off the Senators at 7 p.m. Before the Islanders welcome in the San Jose Sharks at 7:30. Finally, at 10 p.m. tonight, it will be the Devils visiting the uh, Canucks in Vancouver. And on the hardwood, no local action to get to from last night there either, but the Knicks will return to the court tonight in Milwaukee for their NBA in-season tournament quarterfinals matchup against the Bucks. Tip-off there is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. tonight. That's Sports Gnome, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 520. The Biden administration urging Israel to do more to avert civilian casualties in Gaza. We do not want to see a military campaign in the south that looks like the north. We do not want to see the same level of mass displacement. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller there says the U.S. monitoring the military operation closely. It's not just intent that matters, it's results, and we are watching very closely and will continue to watch very closely before we draw any definitive assessments. We did see some of the most intense fighting so far yesterday. New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand calling on the United Nations to condemn Hamas amid the war overseas. The senator delivering an impassioned speech at the U.N. yesterday, rehashing the sexual violence committed by Hamas during those October 7th attacks. The barbaric acts are acts beyond what we have seen from ISIS, al-Qaeda, other horrific terrorist organizations around the globe. There is so much video of this attacks because the terrorists were taking video of it. The United Nations must live up to its purpose of upholding the principles of international law and the United Nations must condemn these evil crimes against Humanity. Then out on the streets of the big city yesterday, more pro-Palestinian marches. This one going over the Williamsburg Bridge. There's a genocide happening in Palestine, and Palestine is an occupied territory, and the people there have no human rights. Pretty large number yesterday, well organized as they have been since the war began. More people in, in the space of a month than Vladimir Putin has killed in two years in Ukraine. They do not regard civilians in Gaza as innocent. Period. And then getting this report this morning from the Wall Street Journal. Israel considering flooding Hamas underground network of tunnels in Gaza with ocean water as part of its plan to completely decimate the terror group that rules over the Palestinian territory. The Israeli Defense Forces, apparently, this according to this Wall Street Journal report, assembled at least five pumps that could be used to draw water from the Mediterranean Sea to then flush out the tunnels within a matter of weeks. Each pump apparently has the power to move thousands of cubic meters of water per hour into at least 800 tunnels used by Hamas to move through Gaza, and they've done so without detection. Apparently, Israel hasn't decided whether to deploy these pumps yet, which could threaten Gaza's already a scarce water supply. And I guess they're worried also that some of these hostages are being held in the tunnels and uh, at least the ones that are alive could be killed if they turn on that water. 523, the former U.S. ambassador to Bolivia, 
being charged now with acting as a secret foreign agent of Cuba. This action exposes one of the highest-reaching and longest-lasting infiltrations of the U.S. government by a foreign agent. Attorney General Merrick Garland says 73-year-old Manuel Roca secretly supported the Republic of Cuba and uh, its intelligence-gathering mission against the U.S. by serving as a covert agent of of Cuba's intelligence services. He served as ambassador from 2000 to 2002 after working as the deputy principal officer of the U.S. interest sections in Cuba back in the 90s. This was a pretty well-regarded person who apparently was spying the entire The criminal time. complaint alleges that for over 40 years, Rocha acted as a covert agent of the Cuban government. Rocha sought out employment with the U.S. government that would provide him with access to non-public information and the ability to affect U.S. foreign policy. 524 down to Washington. Congress must soon decide whether to approve more funding for Ukraine and its war with Russia. Without congressional action, the administration will run out of resources by the end of the year to procure more weapons and equipment for Ukraine. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan says lawmakers must decide whether to support the fight for freedom or let Russian uh, President Vladimir Putin prevail. The White House requesting $106 billion package. It includes aid for Ukraine and Israel and other national security priorities. Whether to continue to support the fight for freedom in Ukraine or whether Congress will ignore the lessons we've learned from history and let Putin prevail. Republicans, however, want to take up these issues separately and want border policy changes in exchange for more aid to Ukraine. 525 down to Florida. Florida lawmakers not happy with undefeated ACC champion Florida State University being left out of the college football playoff. This was a big deal over the weekend. Former FSU football player turned Republican senator Corey Simon uh, wants to somehow legislate their way into the playoffs. I don't think that's going to happen. But um, uh, the Democrats this is the one time the Democrats and Republicans get along in Florida. State House Democratic leader agrees. Uh, this is all taking place in the Florida legislature yesterday. I support Florida State using any sort of legal method that it has to get the recourse that it needs. Yeah, it's not going to happen. She says that they uh, keeping undefeated Power Five conference winner out of the college football playoff is an insult to all Floridians. South Florida Congressman Jared Moskowitz says he's sponsoring a resolution condemning the NCAA. Okay, good luck with that. They deserve the right to play in the national championships. Yeah, so um, yesterday, Senator Rick Scott, also from Florida, sent a letter demanding full transparency on how the decision uh, of the NCAA playoff was reached. So we'll see what happens with that. It's going to cost more to deck the halls this year. The average price for a real Christmas tree is up 10% over last year. One, it's supply. Those particular species are high demand. They're having some issues with production. Fred uh, Rally of the Texas A&M Forest Service says on top of supply, there's also higher costs this year for shipping. As a result, uh, the average person is spending between 80 and 100 bucks on a fresh Christmas tree. I bet that's a whole lot more here in the tri-state. 80 to 100 doesn't sound so bad. Where the pricing is going to be you know, a lot higher than last year is for trees that farmers might bring into their properties from out of state. 
There's the shipping costs. It grown astronomically in the last couple of years. Yeah, an estimated 21 million real Christmas trees will be sold by the time Santa arrives on Christmas Day. Let's take a look at the markets. Opening bell rings this morning. Wall Street after stocks closed lower yesterday following a five straight weeks of gains. Big tech led the decline yesterday. Alphabet, Netflix, all losing more than 2%. Alaska Air Group, they fell about 15% yesterday after they agreed to buy rival Hawaiian Airlines for nearly $2 billion. So at the closing bell, the Dow lost 41 points. S&P 500 fell 25. NASDAQ dropped 119 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Tuesday, December 5th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today, high 46. Tonight, overnight, cloudy, low 36. And then Wednesday, more sun than clouds, the high just 44. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 40 clear in Harrison up in Westchester County. 42 and clear in Cape May down in New Jersey. And it's 39, a couple of clouds right outside our Midtown studios. We'll start this half hour out on Long Island where Suffolk County legislator-elect Catherine Stark released on her own recognizance yesterday after her arrest on driving while ability impaired by drugs. This all took place in Riverhead. Cops say it was around 2.30 near Pondview Road. Court documents show she was pulled over as she was turning into her driveway and apparently told officers that she had took two oxycodones because she had back pain. Police described her in that moment as being disoriented with droopy eyelids, drowsiness, slurred speech, and extreme dry dry mouth. Here's one of the people who says uh, she voted for her. I'm a little bit actually quite surprised. Lived in the neighborhood for years. She's never been in any trouble that we know of. So Stark's attorney, making this interesting comment yesterday, says there's a lot more to this story of her being pulled over for drugged driving. Here's what he says. Ms. Stark is very courageously battling uh, a medical condition. She has cancer. Um, The treatment that she receives for her cancer and all medication that she takes is prescribed. Yeah, so maybe she shouldn't have been driving in that moment. We don't know. She's 60 years old, arraigned yesterday, due back in court on January 24th. Getting some more information on that horrendous, deadly stabbing spree in Queens over the weekend left two kids, two adults dead. Now find out that the person who carried out this crime, Courtney Gordon, who's 38 years old, who was shot dead by cops who arrived at the scene. He actually stabbed them as well, um, had mental health issues. And boy, we hear this story so many times of families who have loved ones, who have mental health issues, and they don't know how to help them. And then you have these tragic endings. Uh, and I don't know what the answer is. These family members say they had tried to help Gordon a number of times, trying to check him into a mental health hospital, but he would not go. Here's his aunt who lives up in the Bronx. Help was granted. Help was offered, but he said he was fine. The sister tried to get in touch with the mental institution because they noticed that something was going on. And they did come to get Courtney to help him. 
and he refused. The songs that he would listen to is mostly killing and just the behavior in general. I noticed, I decided that he has to go. So the family did the right thing. They tried to get him help. Uh, I don't know what the law is. I'll be the first one to tell you is if they can confine him against his will. In this case, apparently he had done nothing wrong for them to be able to do that. So then he goes on this stabbing spree against other family members in Far Rockaway, killing two kids, two adults, and two police officers arrive at the scene. He stabs one of them in the head, the other one in the neck. They shoot him dead. Thankfully, those officers are okay. But family members say, we tried to help him, and we didn't know what else to do. My mom would always say to, like, lock your door. She um, locked her door. You can see that the clues of what he was, what he did, you just were, you were just seeing it. He would yell very loud at the top of his voice. So it, like, kind of would bring everybody into this, like, kind of, let me not talk to him because I don't know if he's going to know what, what he's what he's about. Yeah, again, if you've heard this story a million times before as well, that as they were trying to help them, they said they were afraid of him, that he might turn violent. Uh, his life, they say, and his mental health began to unravel just a few months ago and uh, maybe got worse as he was uh, some sort of app driver, you know, a, a cab driver on the streets, lost his uh, car and then lost his income. And uh, they don't know where he got the knives from, but I guess he could gotten them from anywhere, even the kitchen. In the process, killing an 11-year-old girl, a 12-year-old boy, a 44-year-old woman, and a man believed to be in his 30s. WABC News Time 538. The race is on to take George Santos's congressional seat now that he's been kicked out of Congress. All kinds of people coming out of the woodwork saying they want that gig. The biggest name on the Democratic side, Tom Suozzi, who had that seat until he decided he was going to run for governor and left it, now wants that seat back. On the Republican side, <laughs> uh, Joseph Cairo, who is the Nassau County Republican chair, says they're going to do a better time, better job this time vetting the candidate who uh, has a chance to be on the ballot. Of course, in the case of George Santos, if you haven't been following the story and live under a rock, he made up most of his backstory lying about just about everything. And we only found out after he made it to Congress. Well, this time, uh, Joseph Cairo says that won't happen. We'll have an outside firm do a complete background check on the potential two or three finalists and make sure that we have all the information necessary, that there's nothing that goes uh, unturned. If someone says they graduated from college, we took their word from it. Yeah. Today, I guess we'll ask to see the diploma or check with the university. Yes, they're going to do a thorough background check, as they probably should have done last time. The, on the Democratic side, the party chair there says the same thing. We're going to make sure everybody who decides to run is legit. I think that every seat that we win... Uh, gets us one more step closer to a Democratic congressional majority and Hakeem Jeffries being our speaker. Now, that's not all that this is about. It's about really representing the people of the uh, third congressional district. And you got to love George Santos. Uh, he's uh, pushed out of Congress on Friday and his new gig is recording personalized greetings on Cameo. If you're not familiar with Cameo, it's where people go to pay money to famous people to record videos for them or for loved ones, and they send them. So uh, he is so popular on the site. This is what Cameo is telling us anyway, that he can't handle all the requests. He's charging 200 bucks a pop. This means you get like a 25, 30-second personalized greeting from George Santos 
Uh, here's some of the ones that he has sent out in the last 24 hours. Hey, Johnny, just wanted to stop by to wish you a happy Hanukkah. <laughs> Isaac is your great friend. He's the one who's sending you this awesome video. I'm sorry to be gone, and I'm sorry that I won't be able to continue to represent you guys. Love you guys. Wish you the best this coming year, and enjoy the festivities with family. And just, you know... Till we meet again. Yeah, so 26 Bye. seconds there, 200 bucks. Uh, if he's really, truly having thousands of requests, he's going to make a whole lot more money than he ever would have made as a congressman. Of course, he's facing all kinds of charges next year, and he'll be up in court, but now he'll be able to pay his legal bills. Hey, James and Sophia, congratulations <laughs> on your engagement. All right. And also, I wanted to stop by and say thank you for your thankless public service. All right, I like it. Go on. There's tons of them. But, uh, you know, you can imagine just a few thousand people paying 200 bucks. They're enriching George Santos's bottom line. No two ways about it. While we're out on Long Island, a much more serious story. Uh, this 50-year-old man now accused of raping and kidnapping a 15-year-old girl who was on his bus route, Giovanni Campos, who was a bus driver in Valley Stream, allegedly raped this teen multiple times, including on the bus. Prosecutors say Campos' route was from Central High School to North High in Valley Stream. He pled not guilty at his arraignment. Here's Nassau County District Attorney Ann Donnelly. He became every parent's worst nightmare because you put your child on the bus, you expect them to safely get to school, and that's not what happened here. So the big question they have in the prosecutor's office is, are there more victims out there? And they think, well, that's a possibility. I am worried that there are because the behavior was sophisticated. I don't believe it's the first time he's done something like this, yeah, allegedly. They're, they're asking people uh, anonymously or, you know, to, uh, if they have a story to definitely give them a ring. A couple of lawmakers in the New York City suburbs who've been fighting the MTA's congestion pricing plan highlighting yesterday the damage it will do to small businesses here in Manhattan. Congressman Josh Gottheimer, he's from New Jersey, he visited El Posto Acanto, which is a restaurant on 2nd Avenue on Manhattan's east side. The congestion tax will drive many of El Posto's customers, including tourists and commuters, away from the city decimating their small business and others just like it. Republicans and Democrats outside of New York City working together on this. You had Congressman Mike Lawler taking part in this yesterday. He was also there saying this longtime owner of this restaurant on the east side says delivery drives will pass the congestion cost onto his restaurant. And he thinks congestion pricing will deter people from visiting businesses in the city. It's set to take place next spring. It's going to be a death blow. It's going to be a death blow to small businesses like ours. In the fact that our customers will think twice about coming into the city. This is nothing more than a money grab. It's a scam. And it's going to hurt commuters and small business owners across the board. And it is going to prevent people from coming in to this city. It was last week that the MTA told us it'll probably be 15 bucks this toll to go south of 60th Street come next spring. New York City Transportation President Richard Davey. He's now extending an offer to uh, New Jersey Congressman Josh Gottheimer to view the traffic outside his Hell's Kitchen's apartment. He's saying things are going to get better when congestion pricing kicks in. And he's more than welcome to come to my apartment for a beer or wine, whatever the guy drinks, to look at the congestion out in front of my apartment building 
every single morning and every single evening around the Lincoln Tunnel. Yeah, so this toll, he says, will cut down that traffic and make things better for people below Manhattan on 60, below 60th Street in Manhattan. Eh, wrong, okay? It's called air quality. It's called emergency vehicles getting around. And for purposes of my job, it's called buses getting around. That's what this is about. And then it's about investing in public transit. Of course, New Jersey pushing back with a lawsuit. Not clear what's going to happen with that. MTA says uh, those transponders, by the way, if you haven't been in the city, are all up outside. Bloomingdale's up there on 60th Street on the east side. When you come through the tunnels, they're right there. They're ready to go. And the MTA says it's ready to start charging those congestion pricing tolls. 15 bucks a car come the spring. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellis. Thank you, Noam Olayden. We'll start here on the gridiron. Week 13 in the NFL wrapped up last night with the Cincinnati Bengals and Jacksonville to battle the Jaguars on Monday Night Football. Cincinnati backup quarterback Jake Browning threw for 354 yards and a touchdown in his second start. Much better than that four-sack, two-turnover performance just a week ago. And the Bengals stunned the Jacksonville Jaguars 34-31 in overtime. Browning also ran for a score. Cincinnati won a road game on Monday Night Football for the first time since 1990. Evan McPherson's 48-yard field goal in overtime was the difference and ended a three-game losing streak on the season in a nine-game road skid on Monday night. This one was shocking and potentially costly for Jacksonville, who lost quarterback Trevor Lawrence to a sprained right ankle late uh, in the fourth quarter. Lawrence left the locker room in a walking boot and on crutches. He will uh, have more tests today to determine the severity of that injury. The Bengals improved to uh, 500 at 6-6 six and six overall with the win, still sitting last place in the AFC North. And the Jaguars fought, Jaguars, I should say, fought 8-4, and four, still ahead of Indianapolis atop of the AFC South. And locally here, the Jets still have yet to name a starter for uh, their Sunday game against the Houston Texans as Coach Robert Sala declined uh, yesterday to pick a quarterback from Wilson, Tim Boyle, and Trevor Simeon, none of whom have played well in the aftermath of Aaron Rodgers' Achilles tendon injury and uh the decision might have muddled when the athletic reporter uh at the athletic i should say reported yesterday that the team is leaning toward zach wilson but that he's reluctant to play because of the perceived injury risk that coach sala insisted that that isn't the case saying wilson came to him around 3 p.m yesterday and expressed a desire to start so it's not clear on if wilson sought out his coach because of that report and it's not clear still if uh he actually wants to play starting quarterback for the New York Jets. So What's going on in that locker I don't, room? You I can only know. imagine. What's right? going on in that quarterback room? I mean, <laughs> yeah. my gosh, the locker room. I mean, you know, Four quarterbacks, right? Yeah, and you minimize it down into, into that one room. You're all sitting there watching each other be terrible on tape together. It's They're not, going loco. Yeah. <laughs> and then one guy's like, the front line's so bad, I don't even want to yeah, play. Yeah, exactly. They're all, they're, they're all sitting there and have to repeatedly watch themselves get drilled into the ground. <laughs> right. I almost can't blame him, but except he gets paid a lot of money. Exactly. Play. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, you play in the NFL. This isn't two-head touch football. Anyway, on the ice, local teams had the night off last night, but all three of them will lace them up tonight in Ottawa. The Rangers will face off with the Senators at 7 p.m. before the Islanders welcome in the San Jose Sharks at 7.30. Finally, at 10 p.m. tonight, it'll be the Devils visiting the Van- uh, Canucks in Vancouver. On the hardwood, no local action to get to from last night there either, but the Knicks will return to the court tonight in Milwaukee for the, uh, their NBA in-season tournament quarterfinals matchup against the Bucks. Tip-off there, scheduled for 7.30 p.m. 
tonight. That's Sports Gnome, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. Ireland, France, among several European countries that have recorded a sharp rise in child pneumonia cases as China battles this surge in the respiratory illness there. We've seen pictures of hospitals overwhelmed in China. This rise in mycoplasma pneumonia, the bacteria that causes the infection, has been reported now in Ireland, France, the Netherlands, and Denmark. So they've seen a huge surge. We have not seen it here, but they say it's just a matter of time. So you do have doctors warning not too late to get Get the COVID shot, the flu shot, anything that could protect you. Uh, there has been a surge of flu cases here in New York. Same with COVID. The health department says flu cases surged 27% statewide just last week in New York. That's incentive enough for a bunch of New Yorkers, they say, to go out and get the flu shot now. There's a high rise in um, cases, COVID, as well as the respiratory virus. So why not protect yourself? I had it t- the flu two years in a row. I lived in the dorms in college, and it was like a Petri dish. So now I get it every year. Yeah, doctor's warning, by the way, if you get the flu shot, it takes a couple weeks to kick in. And so let's say you're planning on traveling and, you know, being with, you know, people in your family who might be at risk of getting very sick from these things, then you should be getting your vaccines now. Down to Washington, Republicans trying to decide whether to call for impeachment proceedings against Joe Biden. Financial records released by House Republicans show the president received monthly payments from his son Hunter's business back in 2018. Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer said Hunter's firm, Owasco PC, received payments from Chinese companies and other foreign entities and claimed the payments of nearly $1,400 to Biden show the president participated and benefited from an alleged influence peddling scheme. But leaked emails from Hunter Biden's infamous laptop suggest the payments were for a truck Joe Biden helped his son purchase. Hunter's lawyer in a statement also confirmed this. I'm Brian Shook. Those who hate Donald Trump really trying to stop him. His momentum, of course, huge as he goes towards primary season. One of the people who has been trying to stop him for a while, former Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney, taking to the news shows over the last 24 hours, warning about what a second Donald Trump presidency would look like. If you have a president who is unwilling to abide by the rulings of the courts, who's unwilling to uphold the Constitution, then there are no guardrails who can stop him. Yes, so she says she believes if Trump were to win another four years, that he would try to stay on longer. If you look at what he did in the run-up to January 6th in terms of his pressure on the vice president not to count legitimate electoral votes, and then refusing to send help when the Capitol was under attack. What happened in 2020 and and January of 2021, in many ways, uh, they can look at as a a practice run. And they know now uh, what it would take, in fact, to attempt to completely unravel the foundations of our republic. A lot of Republicans pushing back against that notion, but she says, this is her claim, that the U.S. could slip into a dictatorship under Trump. A vote for Donald Trump may mean the last election that you ever get to vote in. People have to recognize that that a vote for Donald Trump is a vote against the Constitution. Liz Cheney, one of those people who are trying to stop Donald Trump with any other Republicans in the race for the White House. The Republican National Committee announcing who will take part in the fourth GOP debate is going to take place tomorrow night. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, and um, businessman Vivek Ramaswamy set to take the stage in Tuscaloosa, Alabama for this event. Donald Trump will not be there. He's actually holding a town hall tonight 
uh, in Iowa with Fox News. Don't know where he's going to be tomorrow, but he has not taken part in any of these debates. The two-hour debate will take place Wednesday night on News Nation. <laughs> Good luck finding where that channel is. Uh, down in Texas, the governor of Texas vowing to continue the fight over the so-called floating border wall. Greg Abbott says after a trio of federal judges ordered the state to remove the system of buoys that are bobbing in the river that separate the U.S. and Mexico, Texas uh, is saying that this has stopped some of the migrants from crossing illegally into the U.S. We will be seeking what's called an en banc ruling by the entire Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Yes, so he says it was the Democrats that sunk this, and he's going to push to make sure it uh, these buoys can be in the water in Texas. Texas has the right to legally deploy those buoys in the water to prevent people from entering our country and our state illegally. Yeah, so that I'll be back in court. Firefighters Union here in the city says New York City budget cuts are incredibly dangerous. The mayor, you'll remember two weeks ago, announcing 5% cuts across uh, every single city agency to pay for the Migrant mess here in the city. Uniform Firefighters Association President Andrew Ensborough says the cuts mean 20 of the busiest fire companies here in the city will have one fewer firefighter on duty at all times. Uh, the common knowledge is more hands make light work. Uh, they've strategically placed these additional staffing in these companies because of the heightened number of fires. Yeah, so of course, if there's fewer firefighters in the firehouse, that means there's fewer firefighters battling the fires when they start. So you'll need more engines to put out a lithium-ion battery that's going on in Brooklyn, and then other areas of Brooklyn, or whether it's in Queens or any other borough, would be left without their engine companies there and the in part, case something happens. I didn't mean to step on you there. Part of their argument is that these uh, these cuts are coming at the worst time of year when fires break out in the winter time, And, of course, you've had all those battery fires, which have been awful. Unfortunately, every time uh, we try to get an additional staffing, they try to make us pay for it. Now, you would, n- you would never see the NYPD, you know, the PBA, pay for more cops to protect the streets. Now, and in New Jersey, the black bear hunt uh, resuming yesterday. Hunter's going to be back out in the woods. In fact, probably already are at this hour. They might even be listening to us. It lasts through Saturday. Hunters with muzzle loaders or shotguns searching for bears. Uh, the Fish and Wildlife Department, New Jersey's Fish and Wildlife Department, says they need to thin the population because there's so many bear-human interactions in New Jersey. To maintain a robust population in New Jersey, a population that can coexist with humans. Yeah, so hunters took down 331 black bears during the first part of the hunt. That was back in October. And as you might guess, that's outraging animal rights activists. We're killing bears when there's no reason to do that. There are half the number of bears at the Fish and Game Council say it. Yeah, the New Jersey Fish and Wildlife Department, though, hoping this hunt this week will get them to the goal of killing about 20 percent of the black bear population across New Jersey.